we're all consumers at heart, right? Yeah, it's why yeah. Carvana came up with like uh, <laughs> the car vending machine. Nobody yeah. wanted to talk to the sales rep anymore. It's not any different on the B2B side. You mm. know, we're still acting like consumers when we're purchasing those things. It's just instead of purchasing it for us personally, we're purchasing it on behalf of the business. <laughs> Hey everyone, Kirby here for Delivering Marketing Joy. I just wanna say thanks for listening and however you found this podcast, whether someone shared it to you or whether you found it on a review, please feel free to pay that forward. I wanna spread the word and this is how we spread it. So feel free to get some good karma and spread Delivering Marketing Joy to those around you. Now, enjoy the episode. Hey there, and welcome to a brand new episode of Delivering Marketing Joy. I am your host, Kirby Hossaman, and today I have a brand new rock star. She is the CEO of Growth Modern Marketing. I'm so excited to dive in today. Deanna Shimoda, thanks for being here today. Thanks so much, Kirby. It's great to be here. Cool, cool. So I did get to do a little bit of homework on you before we, we jumped on here. And I know you have talked, you talk about demand generation. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like what is demand generation and how is demand generation different from lead generation? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think a lot of marketers think of demand generation and lead generation as being interchangeable terms, that they're okay. the same thing essentially. And I would argue they're actually very different strategies. And I'll start out kind of explaining lead generation first, because okay. that's what most companies are still doing. Yeah. Lead generation is kind of the tried and true strategy that has worked really well for many years, but it's starting to not be very effective anymore. And okay. so from the standpoint of what is lead generation, I would say your marketing programs are only focused on the 5% of companies that are currently in market. Because mm -hmm. at any given time, if you look at your total addressable market or your ideal customer profile, 95% of the companies are not currently in market to buy, which means you've got 5% that are likely to say yes when you're trying to sell them to somebody, not necessarily you. And I've read reports that in this economy, it's probably closer to 1% of companies, mm -hmm. as many companies pull back on budget. Right. So that's, you know, something, something mm -hmm. to think about with your lead generation efforts is you're trying to capture the in-market demand that exists today. You are asking prospects for a meeting and you're trying to pull them into your sales process. Right flip that and look at demand generation and that's a more holistic strategy where the focus is on driving value not just with the five percent of companies that are currently in market to buy but also with the 95 percent who are not looking to buy right now kind of understanding hey if i'm selling a big enterprise software solution I'm not going to convince somebody who's not ready to buy today that now is the time to buy. You know, right. that's a very considered purchase process. Right. So your marketing programs are really focused on building brand awareness and trust yeah. to create demand and ultimately capture it. Meaning I'm not just looking for the people who today are ready to buy. I'm looking at this as a long-term strategy to build that brand awareness and trust so that when people are in market or companies are in market, they'll raise their hand and say, 
I've been following you for a while. I yeah. like what you guys have to say. You know, it kind of sells itself before they actually have the problem. So they raise their hand. Mm. So the flip is once you get that demand generation engine really revving and going, and it's, you know, it's not an overnight thing. It takes time to build this up and to build brand awareness and trust in the market and have those yeah. people actually be ready to buy. But prospects are actually coming to you asking for a meeting instead of the flip, your company asking them for a meeting and mm. they're inviting you into their buying process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, Dan, I think you are spot on with that. I talk, I, I think the terminology is, is uh, I talk about it being brand marketing uh, mm -hmm. instead of direct marketing, right? Like I think that the, the, the idea is similar that, you know, when you're building your brand and that demand that uh, when people are in market, then they know who you are. Cause that usually right. the problem is that you have sort of a, a, the people don't know who you are. And if they don't know who you are, you're just one of many people who have a solution that to them probably seems very similar. Right. Yeah. And you know, the statistics that are coming out of Gartner and quite frankly, that we're seeing with our clients when they're going out to market kind of verify this, mm. the way that B2B prospects are buying is changing. Mm. They are now, you know, like according to Gartner, 72% of B2B prospects have indicated that they would prefer to have zero interaction with a sales rep during the purchase process. Hmm. Meaning they don't want to talk to you at all. They want to go and they want to self-research and dig in and figure this out. You know, they want to see demos on their own. They hmm. want to see pricing on their own. Like they're waiting till the last minute to engage with a sales rep and up to 80% of that purchase decision process happens digitally mm. before they do engage with a sales rep. Mm. So if you stop and think about that, marketing has a much bigger impact and role in that buying process than it ever has in the past. Yeah. And if you haven't built that brand awareness and that trust and basically affinity for your brand before they raise their hand, you're not likely to make the shortlist because they're already like, narrowed it down and, and pretty much know who they want to go with by the time they talk to a sales rep. Wow. And, you know, I think for many people, that'll be a little bit mind blowing, but I think any of us who've walked through the purchase, been on the other side, right? right? I think those of us in marketing <laughs> who spend time as a consumer, like that's when you're like, I just bought a zero turn mower. And that's exactly what I did. I like mm -hmm. I went through I I did all the research, I watched videos, I you know, I talked myself in and out of a specific brand. When I walked into the dealership that I was looking for, yeah, I had a couple last minute questions, but I already knew what I was buying. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I think that's and that sounds consistent with what you're saying, I guess. Totally. You know, if we we think about it like B2B buyers, yes, the process can be different, but we're all consumers at heart, right? Yeah, it's why yeah. Carvana came up with like uh, <laughs> the car vending machine. Nobody yeah. wanted to talk to the sales rep anymore. It's not any different on the B2B side, you mm. know we're still acting like consumers when we're purchasing those things. It's just instead of purchasing it for us personally, we're purchasing it on behalf of the business. So yeah, it makes, it makes the job for a sales rep that much harder because they've got to meet their quotas and they're turning to marketing and they're saying, help, we need leads. We need them yesterday. We need more leads. Right. And I think where the challenge is there if marketing gets in a state of being very reactive 
they're going to continue to focus on lead generation. And an example of that may be like, we're gonna have Forrester create a report for us. We're gonna run a bunch of digital ads. We're gonna put a form in front of it. We're gonna get people to try to fill out that form. When they fill out that form, we hand those leads to the sales team. The sales team starts chasing. Yeah. And the problem is we're looking at quantity. Like how do we get names in our system for salespeople to follow up with? They didn't actually, as a lead, demonstrate any buying intent. In yeah. fact, if you looked at the bounce rate on the landing page, you probably had more people bouncing than giving you your their mm. information for fear that that sales rep is going to follow up with them. <laughs> and now, as a company, you just missed an opportunity to put the content that you believe will help them make their decision in front of them. And it's a total missed opportunity. Hmm. So I, I, you, you sort of already addressed this, but maybe we can do this one quick. But what, what are some mistakes that businesses are making when, when it comes to that marketing? Is there any specific examples or have you, or is what you just said exactly it? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of mistakes. Okay, fair. I, I, I have definitely like <laughs> talked about a couple of them. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I sort of touched on already, but I'll go deeper into it, that marketing teams and marketing individuals are making is doing random acts of marketing. Mm. And it's because they have to be, or they feel like they have to be very reactionary. And what I mean by that is the minute the numbers are down or we're not hitting our growth targets, the sales team gets immense pressure on them. Yeah. You know, they start to feel micromanaged because yeah. their manager is panicking. The CEO is panicking. They turn to marketing. They're like, can you run a campaign? So what does marketing do? Marketing wants to be a team player. We want to help drive the revenue. That's what we're there for is to support the growth of the organization. We run and put a campaign in place to start to capture leads, right? Then you have a sales rep that comes to you and says, hey, could you put together this custom presentation for me? I have a really big opportunity with 3M. I need to be spot on. If I do this, I will, you know, more than double my numbers. This will help the revenue. Again, we want to be a team player. We drop everything. We go and we do that one-off ask for the sales rep. Then you have the CEO comes to you and is like, hey, have we ever thought about doing an article and such and such? And you do it. All of these things add up to a lot of marketing but they're all disconnected. Mm -hmm. And so there's no real strategy behind them. And what happens is the trade-off of doing these random acts of marketing is you're taking focus away from that strategy that you built out to achieve that long-term growth. Wow. And now everything's disconnected. And if you stop and think about it, it's like the marketing team worked their butts off, but they didn't help move the needle. Mm -hmm. And if they would have said politely no to some of these requests or at least evaluated any request that came in and said, does this move the needle in the grand scheme of things? Does this support the strategy that we laid out that's a long-term strategy to help this company, you know, build that catalyst for growth? And if the answer is yes, we will do it. If the answer is no, we will politely decline and say, right now, this is our priority. I don't care if it's the CEO asking for it or the VP of sales or a sales rep. They will understand 
when the results start to come in that you were hyper-focused, that you stuck to the plan and you did the things and you gave it the time that it needs. I think another big mistake that marketing teams often make, and you know, again, it comes from the pressures that they're getting from within the organization is a lack of patience. And I yeah. always say lack of patience is a growth killer. And the reason I say that, if you look at building out a demand generation engine, for example, it takes time to build up all that content. Essentially, mm -hmm. you know, what we recommend at Growth Mode Marketing to people is build your digital footprint to become your best sales rep. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it replaces the sales rep, but it mm -hmm. means it helps them get through that 80% of the buying decision process before they're willing to engage with a company and have conversations with a sales rep. And to do that, it takes a lot of time. It also takes time to get traction. Like you have to build your audience mm -hmm. and they have to want to consume your content, which means yeah. you have to continually put content in front of them. This podcast is a great example of, you know, a component of demand generation. You know, when you launch a podcast, you're not immediately going to have 5,000 <laughs> listeners and people calling off the hook, like, yeah. let's do business together. It's a long-term strategy. Exactly. And people listen to it and they start to feel familiar with your brand and you. And over time, when that need comes up, they think of you and they have that conversation with you. The problem with many organizations is they put those things into place and they kind of stop and start because yeah. a few months in, they're like, we're not seeing results. Yeah. And again, it goes back to the, we need leads. We need them now. Yeah. And so these programs get abandoned. I mean, there's a reason that most podcasts that launch never go past 10 episodes. Right. Right. Yeah. And if you think 10 episodes is going to you know, change your business outcomes. It's probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're, you know, one of the very, very few podcasts that takes off immediately. Yeah. And so if you don't put the time in and you don't go into it and, and educate internally, like, hey, this is a long-term strategy. Mm -hmm. It's going to take six to 12 months to start to see results. Yeah. And 18 months in, it's going to be golden. Yeah. You know, like you have yeah. to educate them. Otherwise you're going to get those pressures and you have to be willing to stand your ground on those things and say, it needs more time. It's yeah. not realistic to expect it to produce in three months. Yeah. I'll tell you a quick story. And you're, this is awesome. This is, is really good. Um, then I have one more question for you, but like I, when I started this program, Delivering Marketing Joy, um, I had had a chance to talk with Seth Godin. And, uh, and so I was on like episode 20 or 25. And to be mm -hmm. honest, I'm like, man, I've kind of done it right. Like I, it's kind of run its course. I didn't have the yeah. next week lined up. <laughs> um, and, uh, I said, he, he said that he had seen it and I was like, wow. Okay. That's, that's really cool. cool. And he said, keep going in three years. You'll be glad you did. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I'd done 20, 20. And I do one every week. Right. So yeah. 20 episodes, I felt like I was kind of ahead of the curve and three years. Uh, and so, and he's right. Right. I, and so that inspired me to keep going. Uh, and, and it, but the idea of in three years, you'll be glad you did. I mean, most people don't think in that kind of terms. And I think that that's what you need for a long term. So that's really cool. Uh, final question for you. We've talked about what 
you know, the mistakes we've seen people make, right? But what yeah. does a demand generation strategy look like? What, how do we do it right? Yeah. So at Growth Mode Marketing, this is the way that we look at building a demand generation engine. You've got three pillars. You've got strategy, you've got content, and you've got distribution. Mm. To break it down a bit more, when you go into strategy, I think there's three things that need to happen. First, you need to define your ideal customer profile. And that's really like, who are the best fit companies to yeah. go after? Because everything else you do is going to build upon that audience with the intention that if we put the right content out there in the right spots to the right people, we will attract more of that ideal customer. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's hard for a lot of companies to kind of grasp, yeah. honestly, because they look at it and they're like, you're telling me to narrow down my audience. Yep. And in, in essence, yes, we are telling you to narrow down your audience because if you narrow down your audience, you can get better traction to achieve that high growth. If you're trying to be everything to everyone, it's going to be really, really hard to achieve really good growth if you're in a very crowded market and there's a lot of competitors saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah. You, you're, we're kindred spirits on this. I agree 100%. 100%. It's good. Good, good. Yeah. The next step of, of strategy is the unique point of view. And what we help clients do is look at a unique point of view story framework. And that's really like a story to challenge thinking out there. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot of organizations like we often work in the technology space with our clients. Sometimes it's a very, very, very crowded market, you know, mm -hmm. like hundreds, if not thousands of solutions that essentially solve the same problem. Right. And it's hard to stand out and it's hard to come up with differentiators because a lot of companies don't actually have meaningful and real differentiators. Mm -hmm. And so what they start to lean on to say they're different, it's like, we have exceptional customer service. <laughs> we have an amazing onboarding process. We have the ability to integrate with these technologies, you know, those kind of things that quite frankly, from a prospect or a client's perspective, those are table stakes, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm buying from you. I expect you to have good customer service. That's not a differentiator. Right, agreed. Um, so when you look at that unique point of view, it's like, okay, but how do you tell a different story, take a different angle than others? And, you know, there's a whole process around how to kind of develop it. But in essence, it's like, if you went to an industry conference and after the trade show closed, you're sitting at the bar with colleagues from other companies in the industry, what could you debate about all night? That some people are over here and some people are over here because if everybody agrees, it's not a unique point of view. Mm, yeah. So it's something that gets people thinking and kind of challenges the norm. Um, you know, and that third part of the strategy is, of course, creating a content marketing and demand generation plan. And that's the blueprint of here's how we're going to do this and build this engine. So... Oh. From a content perspective then, I mean, content really is the fuel of a demand generation engine. And so yeah. it's looking at key topics, which by the way, you've already done your customer profile and your unique point of view. So you have this pretty much mapped out, like here's who we're talking to and here's how we're gonna talk to them and the story we're gonna tell. So the, the key topics kind of naturally come out of that. 
and it's developing content for each stage of the funnel. So top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, and also looking at it in the formats you create. So how do you slice and dice this content? Knowing one, how do we get extra mileage out of something? So for example, going back to that Forrester report I talked about earlier, don't just put the report out there, throw a form in front of it and let people consume it. Not everybody is going to read your 30 page scientific type report from Forrester. But you can look at that like, okay, we've got some really great information. How do we create more content out of it? You mm -hmm. know, you can do a ton of social posts out of it, you know, which are just taking little tidbits out of it to spoon feed people. Right. You can create video clips out of it. You can do webinars. You can create infographics. You can create articles. Like the list goes on and on. And before you know it, that one 30-page research report could actually equate to 50 pieces of content. Yeah. Yeah, of all different sizes and all different formats because people consume things differently. And, you know, some people love watching a two-minute video. Some people love reading a 30-page research report and you want to appeal to all of them. Yeah. Then that final pillar of the distribution, that's really about how do you get that really great content, really targeted content that you just created out in front of your ideal customer profile in the places that they are showing up. Mm, right. And so you, you see a theme here. I'm going to say three again. <laughs> we look at there's three avenues that you really need to focus on from a distribution standpoint. First, is your website, that's your digital storefront. If someone comes to your website, do you have content loops so they can spend an infinite amount of time mm. digging in to learn from each stage of the funnel and enough information that if I don't wanna to talk to a sales rep, I can get the information I need to make the decision to choose you. Mm. Second is what we call managed channels. And those are the channels where you can control what is put out and when, and this is really all about building your audience. So the people that choose to follow you and want to consume your content. So podcasts, of course, fall into that, blog articles, social media, but also looking at things like email campaigns and digital advertising and just all of the channels that you can distribute your content where you have control. You can decide, this is what I'm putting out this is when I'm putting it out. And this is why I'm putting it out to build an audience. The third channel, and sometimes it makes sense to actually start with this before the managed channel, is third-party channels. And that's so you can tap into other existing relevant audiences. So think about like if you're in a specific industry, like HR technology, for example, there are industry organizations that continually put content out that have very big audiences. They have conferences, there's influencers, even in the B2B space oh, totally. within there, you know, who have their own social media channels and do their own blogs and their own video clips and stuff. There's pay to play, you know, to, to purchase other people's email lists and get in front of them. There's so many things that you can do from a third party channel perspective, there's review sites, you know, all those things, you build that out to tap into somebody else's audience because it's relevant to you. And it continues to expand your digital footprint for your company yeah. so that you're easy to find, you're showing up everywhere where your ideal customer is showing up. 
and you're consistently showing up so that they can consume your content. And, and third party also adds a level of credibility because it's not, hi, I'm Deanna from Growth Mode Marketing and I'm putting out my podcast, you know, like this mm -hmm. example, I'm dipping into your audience sure. right now, right? Because right. I'm coming and you've built this reputation in this podcast and have an existing audience. You know, that's the kind of thing to think about as you continue to build out your digital footprint. Man, Deanna, this is like a masterclass. I really appreciate <laughs> you like diving deep into sort of this whole strategy. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Where can where can people find more information about you? Yeah, if you're interested in learning more about how to create a catalyst for growth through demand generation, I would say check out Growth Mode Marketing's podcast, The Demand Gen Fix. It's on mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, basically wherever you would find your podcasts. You can also follow me, Deanna Shimoda, on LinkedIn because I regularly post insights, videos, best practices, things like that on demand generation. And of course, you know, if you're ready to build out a demand generation engine and you need help, check out our website, growthmodemarketing.com. That's awesome. Deanna, this is great. I really appreciate you taking the time, sharing the insights. This is I, I can't wait to go back and re-listen to this because uh, <laughs> there, there was a lot to, to dig into here. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be a part of your podcast. Absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. We'll see you next time. Deliver.